glad to be able to speak to you this morning from the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles and would turn with me to the book of John, the second chapter, John chapter 2, and I'm going to read literally this morning, verses 1 down through verse 11 of John, the second chapter. Also this evening, uh, we may give specific direction uh, as you arrive, so pay attention. We may have, we may be required to move our pre-service prayer into the sanctuary tonight, and we don't want that to be awkward as guests are coming in, but we want to have our pre-service prayer time, so if we uh, are notifying you, uh, please don't be caught off guard that in, in lieu of going to the fellowship hall, um, we will come here in the sanctuary. Having uh, having the growth that the church has had and being packed in all of our rooms sometimes creates a lot of challenges, but these are good challenges. Amen. They're good challenges. So the Lord's going to meet our need, and I look forward to seeing the direction God is going to send the church over the next few weeks. Amen. John chapter 2, verse number 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. When men have drunk, have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou kept the good wine unto now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. I'm going to preach from that 11th verse. I'm going to preach this whole story. I may preach a long time today. I'm going to preach from this 11th verse today. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and the disciples believed on him. It is amazing to me that when Jesus performs miracles, that it causes people to begin to believe. 
Some of us can be so hard-headed, but we have to see a miracle in order to believe that the Lord has miracle-working power. I'm going to preach this morning the beginning of miracles. The beginning of miracles. I feel the help of the Lord this morning. Would you just right where you are, lift your hands toward heaven and ask God to help us. Lord, I pray for your anointing power to rest upon your word today. Lord, I pray that every heart in this room, that every mind is open, that every heart is unlocked. Lord, that your spirit can speak into every spirit, to every heart today, Lord. Let the word of God be transmitted and transferred from the portals of heaven into the very heart of every man, woman in this room today. Your power and your spirit may speak. Let faith arise in this house this morning. Let miracles begin today in the name of Jesus. Somebody help me give him praise today. Lord, you're worthy of my praise. And I'll magnify your name. I'll magnify you. I'll magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In 1998, David W. Cloud wrote a very scathing article denouncing modern Pentecostalism. Normally, I let these type things roll off like water. I've learned that just because it's written doesn't make it true. The article was called The Strange History of Pentecostalism. Mr. Cloud describes that Pentecostalism from its inception has been characterized by doctrinal heresy, exaggeration, and deception. He says, I realize these are hard words, but the first century messianic and apostolic miracles simply are not being performed in the church today. What a sad soul. He goes on to say, those who claim that the apostolic Pentecostal signs have been restored are forced to exaggerate and fabricate the alleged signs. I want you to get that. I, I quote, those who claim that apostolic Pentecostal signs have been restored or forced to exaggerate and to fabricate the alleged signs. He further states, the miracle movement of the 20th century is literally strewn with wreckage of spiritual confusion, error, and deception. He goes on to say, although I don't believe in miracles, this, this almost confused me, and, and I'm not easily confused. He goes on to say, although I don't believe in miracles, I praise the Lord for their bold zeal, and their expressive and exuberant worship, and for their confidence in the miracle-working power of God. <laughs> I'm sorry, but how can you not believe in 
miracles yet believe in the miracle working power of God? Would there be a wise one rise to the occasion and explain this to me today? He says, although I don't believe in miracles, I praise the Lord for their bold zeal, for their expressive and exuberant worship, and for their confidence in miracle working, in the miracle working power of God. If only it were real and true. I have a word for Mr. Cloud today. I'll try to hold back just a little. Miracles are real. If the Word of God is true, in which we know it is, miracles are still happening today. If I went around this room this morning and began to point out individuals that are in this room that have experienced a miracle, he claims we exaggerate them. He claims we fabricate them. I, I need to invite him. I, I think maybe he has read too much and much learning hath made Mr. Cloud mad. Because he is missing a point that the most important miracle that has ever been performed is when Jesus Christ saves a soul from sin and turns it around and changes a life. Miracles still happen. And I want to go a little bit further today and tell you that many of us have miracles that have happened in our personal lives. He has come too late to try to persuade me or tell me that miracles do not happen. He still heals the cancer. He still turns heart disease around. He still raises people up out of wheelchairs. He still turns lives around. He is still a miracle working God. I, I guess, I, I suppose that I... Maybe, maybe I have a simple view of these things because I, I did not even realize the number of people. It is just dawning on me and I am realizing the number of people that consider themselves Christians and consider themselves believers in God and in the Word of God but have never connected to the miracle-working power that is in the name of Jesus. They failed to understand that what happened in the Word of God was not something that was just for that day. As a matter of fact, when Jesus performed the miracle at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, the Scripture sophatically declares that this was just the beginning of miracles. It was not the end of miracles. It was not the all in all and the end all. If There was more than three and a half years of miracles. 
miracles as some of them want to declare and say, but he was setting a precedent for a church that was going to be born in an upper room on the day of Pentecost with 120 believers who gathered there in seven days of prayer, in 50 days of prayer and seeking God. I come this morning to tell you that Mr. Cloud has come too late to declare to me that miracles do not exist in the modern church world. I believe that God can perform a miracle in this house this morning. Now pardon me because I I know that, uh, you know, I know that I can be a bit emotional. But Friday night after prayer, we, we made our way home. And when we left prayer and started home, my wife uh, started burning up cell minutes uh, as she was logging on to um, a conference held in Stockton, California called Landmark Conference held at Christian Life Church there in Stockton, California with Pastor Haney. Evangelist Lee Stone King was preaching, and my wife and I wanted to, wanted to catch that. As a matter of fact, our oldest son, Gentry, is there uh, in California and was able to be part of this conference where cl- close to 5,000 people were in attendance. And on Friday night, we logged in and we listened to the message that uh, Evangelist Lee Stong King preached and uh, there was a few moments that, uh, that my wife and I had a moment in, at our home uh, as he was preaching the Word of God so eloquently and so powerfully. As he began to preach, he shared a story of uh, a few stories of people being healed. And as he talked about the miracle working power of God, there was a man that I noticed and, and uh, that, that came forward and he was in a wheelchair and he came to the very front of the room. Brother Stone King uh, acted as if he ignored him as he continued to preach about miracles. He preached about miracles happening and I kept thinking he's going to stop the sermon and he's going to pray for this man that has come forward for prayer. And uh, as I was watching, I, I kind of felt, as a matter of fact, that perhaps the, the gentleman uh, may have been well-meaning, but perhaps was even uh, a distraction to the miracle that uh, Brother Stone King was preaching. As Brother Stone King was preaching about miracles happening and about people being healed and delivered, and in front of him the entire time that he preached, and in front of that five thousand people that were gathered there, right front and center, was an, a middle-aged uh, man in a wheelchair that was sitting there, uh, looking up at the stage as if he was wanting to have prayer. Brother Stone King was not hindered; he was not a He continued to preach and he continued to declare that Jesus was a healer. He never paused, he never phased, he never gave the man a moment of his time. He continued to preach. At the conclusion of the message where he preached, he still never addressed the man. 
He went to altar call. It was only a moment after people began to gather. As a matter of fact, he did not call people forward. He asked them to pray in the aisles, in in the pews where they were. And the crowd was so great, not everyone could have come forward and came around uh, the stage. And so they stayed in the pew. And they began to pray near their seats. And then uh, people began to migrate forward and began to gather in the front. After a few minutes of time, they and they had gathered there in the front uh, of the, the church. Uh, quite a few people had gathered. There was quite a crowd there. And it was rather difficult to see what was going on as the video cameras were trying to catch the entire audience. In a moment, uh, Annette reached up and hit my computer screen. And she said, there's Gentry, there's Gentry. And she began to pray out loud uh, immediately. She said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want you to use Gentry. And I noticed where he was, was in the location, in the area where the man that was in the wheelchair was. And of course, standing six foot three tall, he could stand above most of the people that were gathered there. And who's going to miss that uh, big blonde headed guy standing there and his, his hands raised up. And we noticed that he, along with several other ministers began to pray over that man that was in the wheelchair and we had a little prayer meeting in their home and we were praying with them God perform a miracle at the laying on of their hands according to your word let it be done I didn't know who the man was Uh, all I knew was that there was a man there with a need they began to pray over him Gentry didn't call he didn't say anything about it but yesterday Uh, I received confirmation from uh, evangelist Nick Mahaney who was with us a few months ago. Brother Mahaney uh, confirmed, he said, what many do not know was that the man that had come forward for prayer, uh, he called his name and he said he happens to be a pastor of a church here in California. And he has spent many years in a wheelchair and unable to walk. He came forward. Several ministers laid hands on him. Gentry was there praying with them. And as they began to pray the prayer of faith, the Holy Ghost began to move on him. And someone looked at him and said, By the authority of the Word of God, get out of that wheelchair and walk in the name of Jesus. And that man who was confined to a wheelchair stood to his feet And my wife and I witnessed via the live stream feed as he began to walk across the front of the church building. Mr. Cloud, I don't know how to contact you, but I wish I could. you could tap into this live stream this morning as I am declaring to you that Jesus Christ is still a healer. Miracles still happen and people are still getting out of wheelchairs just like they did in the early church. And this is just the beginning of miracles. I believe in these last days that this is just the beginning. We're going to see more people healed than we've ever seen before. Because in the end time, the Bible says, there's going to be a great revival. And believers are going to be added to the church when they see miracles at the laying on of hands of the believers.
Oh, somebody give God praise in the house. If you know he's a miracle worker, lift up your voice and cry out to him today. Shout unto the Lord today. Give him praise in this room. Oh, you're worthy to be praised, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This week, I've heard from several people. Different people have spoken, and there were, there's something. I, I've noticed that things have kind of been coming in waves as we have entered into a season of prayer and fasting. And I have heard two or three times in some of the house-to-house prayer meetings, and if you haven't been part of our house-to-house prayer meetings, you have been missing some wonderful prayer meetings. The crowds have been wonderful. We have had, we have had 20 to 30 uh, plus people that have shown up every night to house-to-house Book of Acts prayer. We have been in Lafayette and Kokomo and all around our city here. It will continue this week. If you need information, please pick up one of the uh, one of the the uh, calendars out in the foyer and come to some of our house-to-house prayer. There have been miracles released in our house-to-house prayer. And I have heard prayer requests after prayer requests. There's been three or four people this week who have said, pray for somebody. They are struggling with their faith. They are struggling with faith. This is a tactic of the enemy. Because everything that you receive from God will come through faith. Everything that you receive from God will come through faith. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please Him. You have to have the faith to believe. Let me speak respectfully this morning to Dr. Cloud, who wrote the scathing article trying to criticize those of us that believe that miracles still happen because they are still happening. And let me say the reason that he is not seeing miracles happen is because he lacks the faith to believe that miracles will happen. Can I go further without offending somebody this morning and declare if you are lacking the faith to believe that a miracle can happen in your life, increase your faith. Because as long as you're saying it's never going to happen, God can't do it. I don't believe it. I'm not sure this is for me. It will never happen in your life. But the moment that you release faith and you take a step of faith and declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is going to happen. Happen now in the name of Jesus you can go ahead and begin to expect that miracles are going to happen if Peter would not have had the faith to get out of the boat and step out on the water at the call of Jesus Christ oh everybody talks about well he sunk he he went down in the water his faith failed him but he had enough faith to get out of the boat if you've got enough faith to step out of the boat I've got enough faith to believe that if you start to sink Jesus is going to take you by the hand and lift you back up come on somebody needs to increase their faith this morning and begin to believe that anything is possible. Anything is possible. I want to speak to every unbeliever in the house today. Miracles are real. 
And the power of God has not changed from the early church. The miracles did not cease with the early church. Miracles are far today and they're still happening today. For God has not changed. I think I read somewhere Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the first miracle of Jesus we find recorded in the Word of God is this miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee when Jesus turns water into wine. Now it's very clear in the Scripture what transpired before the very eyes of the disciples. The strangeness of this miracle was that people didn't even know that a miracle had happened. Even the governor of the wedding ceremony, the man in charge was confused and said, what were you thinking? You saved the best till last. Can I just, oh, I could preach a while today. Could I just inject that Jesus always saves the best till last? The miracles that he performed, I believe I read somewhere in the scripture when he looked and said, greater things than these shall you do in my name. I come this morning to declare there's no healing in my hands. I don't have any supernatural power, but I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, greater things than the miracles that we saw in the early church belong to the church today because Jesus always saves the best till last. And between now and him calling the church out of here, get ready. This is just the beginning. The miracles that God is doing is just the beginning. Greater things than these is going to happen. Now, there are some things that we have to understand about this miracle. There was a great need at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. They were out of wedding wine. And you have to understand that culturally what this actually meant, this would have been one of the most dishonoring things to the bride and the groom and to the guest of the bride and the groom that they were unprepared Mary, who was in charge of the distribution of the wedding wine, was not unprepared because Jesus was there. Just because things may catch the world off guard doesn't mean that you and I are unprepared. Because when Jesus shows up, anything can happen. 
but it would have been impossible for anyone to meet the need of the hour. Mary commanded the servants to do whatever Jesus told them to do. Jesus had not yet performed a miracle, but Mary knew something that nobody else did because when the doubters doubted that he was born from a virgin birth, Mary knew what his origin was. And Mary knew, whoo, I feel the help of the Lord today. Mary knew who she was speaking to. She knew that she may have been speaking to her child who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. But she also knew she was speaking to the Son of God who was born in a manger in Bethlehem. I come to declare today that Mary knew of the miraculous birth and the miraculous conception. And she also knew that the time Time was going to come that Jesus was going to step forth and say, this is the moment of beginnings of miracles. Mary looks at the servant and says, whatever he commands you to do, do it. Notice the obedience and the submission that is spoken in this text. <laughs> there are prerequisites to miracles. Submission and obedience is part of the preparation for a miracle. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I hope you're, I, I, I hope you, I can tie all this together. It, Without obedience and submission, without preparation, you're never going to have a miracle. We have started this year with a season of prayer and fasting. And because of prayer and fasting, we have been preparing our flesh, preparing our hearts, and preparing our spirits and minds for God to do the miraculous. Here is what I spoke last night to those that gathered at prayer meeting last night. This is just the beginning of what God is going to do. But miracles are going to happen Signs and wonders are going to happen because we're not here to seek a sign. We're not here to seek wonders, but the Lord is going to do it because something else happened. When Jesus performed the miracle and the governor himself did not know what happened, the disciples knew that they put water in some stone pots and went and gave it to them to drink as wine. But when they tasted it, they realized it was not water, but it was the best wine that had been served saved until last. I come this morning to tell you that the disciples knew that it was a miracle. That's why the scripture emphatically declares that the disciples believed him. I come this morning to tell you that when you know it and when you see it for yourself, the rest of the world may figure it out some other way and say, well, it was this that happened, it was that that happened, or it was another thing that happened. But I come today to tell you that when a miracle happened, 
happens in your life, you are going to know and you are going to believe like you have never believed before. Then the job is you've got to persuade everybody else. That's how I stand here this morning. I know what I know, what I know that he is a miracle worker. If I could persuade everybody in this room today that has a need in your life to truly believe that the miracle worker is in this house, you would not leave this place without receiving your miracle today. If I could persuade you that the healer is here, you would receive your healer, your healing. If I could persuade you that your provision is here today, you wouldn't leave here without receiving it. Let, 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 me, let, let me try to finish this. If I told you that God was wanting to perform a miracle in your life today, but it would require an act of faith and obedience on your part. I wonder how many would leave with your need. Because we are unwilling to take a step of faith and act in obedience. Well, let me try this. Jesus wants to give you a miracle today. Not one, not two, not three, not four. If you have a need in your life, Jesus wants to give you a miracle today. If you have a need that you need a miracle, I want you to lift up your hand in the room. If you have a a miracle kind of need today, there's hands all over the room today. I believe the miracle working power of God is in this house today. How many of you are ready to take a step of faith? I'm going to challenge you now to do whatever God speaks into your spirit while I'm preaching. I'm, about, I'm going to close here in the next few minutes. But between now and me closing this message today, I want you to do whatever God speaks into your spirit. I want you to take that step of faith and act in obedience to what God wants to do in your life. Now, your obedience to God in this service could be the difference in whether you leave with your miracle or with your problem. Je- Jesus, g- give, me, give me just a few minutes to wrap this up. Jesus worked with what he had to work with. And all he had to work with, when they said, you know, uh, we're, we're out of wine. Mary looks around, oh, my Lord, Jesus, what are we going to do? He just looks around. He says, well, we don't have much to work with. There's no faith in the house, but there's, there's six pieces of stone over here. That's about how much faith's in the house. And he took six water pots, and he said, hmm, looks like a possibility. Six empty vessels. Because if there is an empty vessel in the house, I want to tell you that God works through empty vessels. I maybe have preached better, but I have never preached more truth than what I'm preaching to you this morning. 
Jesus speaks a word of faith. Fill the water pots with water. I don't, I don't want to come across rude, but I don't know how, how else to say it other than just be real. If he said that to most of us, we would have laughed and said they need wine, not water. You need to figure out another way. That's why most of our prayers, instead of praying for God to perform a miracle and work, most of our prayers is trying to tell God how to work it out. No, not water in, in, in six stone pots. We need a miracle. We need wine. Lord, do it my way. When we submit to the will of God and take a step of faith according to his word, you can receive a miracle in your life. But you've got to get the doubt and the self-centeredness and the self-will out and start saying, what did he say? Did he say water pots and water? I'm on my way. I'll be the first in line. I'll be the first drawing the water. I'll be the first taking it to the governor because when I get it there, he had a plan all along. Can I tell you before your need, I saw the hands raised, but before your need ever got to where it is today God already knew how he was going to work it out we're worrying about it fretting over it and sweating over it but God was so far ahead of us that he already had it figured out so the size of your miracle may depend on the level of your obedience go fill them with water I like what the scripture said and they filled them to the brim. <laughs> you know what that means? Not a part of a glass. To the brim means you better not move it. It's going to splash out. It's going to splash out. It's still water. How much faith are you willing to put in your vessel? How much praise are you willing to put in your vessel? But pastor, this all just seems so empty. All this praise and worship and standing and clapping and lifting hands and singing, it just all seems so shallow and so empty and so simple and so insignificant. It is. And so was the water. I don't understand how this hand clapping's got anything to do with a miracle. Nothing. It's just the water. But the miracle worker is going to take your praise and turn it into a miracle. But the miracle worker can take your hallelujah and turn it into provision. Your miracle worker will take whatever faith you're willing to put into this service and turn it into a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Somebody just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, magnify him. Lift up your voice and magnify him. 
Come on, we're just filling water pots with water. We're just filling water pots with water. God, you're awesome. You're a miracle worker. You're a healer. You're a provider. God, you've never failed me. I'm just filling a water pot. I'm not feeling anything yet. Nope, it's still water. Just keep filling. Just keep filling. Just keep filling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give me about five more minutes. Give me about five more minutes. The roof's about to blow off of this place. I said the roof's about to blow off of this place. I'm going to tell you what God has done. I, I should have... I apologize to my son now because I should have just let you preach and let you tell what God has done. I'll give you an opportunity, I promise. I said it before the whole congregation. You can fill them in with the details, but I want to tell this congregation what God has done in the last three days. Three days ago, Spencer was in school. If you're a guest today, Spencer is a junior here in Frankfurt High School, 17 years old. He has a call of God on his life. Pretty good kid most of the time. He has a friend in school. The friend's name is Angel. Friend, very loosely stated, but a connection in school. Everybody in the school knows that Spencer is the pastor of the Frankfurt High School. They know he's got a call of God on his life. They know he's headed in on a ministry track wants to do the will of God. People come to him on a regular basis. He said to me, Dad, I don't understand. People just keep coming to me, asking me for prayer, asking me for needs. Someone had their house burned down. While the house was burning, a young lady called Spencer. Spencer, please pray for my family. He's having a real impact in his, in his school. He and Dylan have been friends with this, with this young man named Angel. Angel has a brother who is 24 years old. Now, if I get off track here, I want you to correct me because I'm trying to tell this by memory, and you know my memory is not very good. Angel has a brother. Angel goes to school with Spencer and Dylan. Angel has a brother who is 24 years old, and he is in the hospital in Indianapolis. And Angel has a very, matter of fact, they don't really know what the cause is. At 24 years of age, he has multiple blockages in his brother. His brother has multiple blockages uh, all through his blood vessels and arteries. And he has blood clots throughout his body. He had blood clots all through his body. And he was hospitalized, and the condition grew worse. They told the family, first, he had a one in one out of three people that... Right. Uh, first, they told him that he had a less than 3% chance of survival. The family was stirred. They said that Angel's brother, uh, they came back later and said one in three people that have whatever has happened to him die. Three days ago, Angel came to Spencer. On Thursday, maybe it was, four days ago. Angel came to Spencer at school and asked he and Dylan to pray for his brother. And they said they would. The next day, Spencer went to the school, and, well, he came to prayer that night. I'm kind of butchering this story. 
Spencer came to prayer that night, and we were meeting in Lafayette at uh, Brother and Sister Bolinger's home, and he asked for special prayer. We gathered around him, laid hands on him, and asked the Lord to grant him favor, asked the Lord to give him wisdom in how to deal with this situation, and asked the Lord to give him the authority and power to walk into that hospital and pray over, over uh, this young man that was sick. Several people prayed over him. Gentry called and prayed with him on the phone. Spencer came to his mom and I. We laid hands on him. He felt compelled to go to the hospital and pray. Friday at school, he went to Angel, his friend, and he said, I want to go to the hospital tonight. Do you think that would be okay? I want to go to where your brother is, and I want to go in the room, and I want to pray for him so that God will heal him. Angel began to cry. His tears in his eyes. He said, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I will meet you there. Friday night, instead of Spencer going to prayer with us, he asked to go to Indianapolis. And so he went to the hospital in Indianapolis without the experience of his dad, without any other, just on his own. I'm going to the hospital and I'm going to pray for this young man because God spoke this into his spirit. Spencer went to the hospital and on his way there, I felt led of the Holy Ghost to call Spencer. I called him on the phone and I said to him, Spencer, when you walk in that room, you may see him in worse shape than he is. Do not let doubt and fear enter your heart. God wants to do a miracle in this young man's life. You walk in with authority and with faith and you speak a miracle over that young man and God is going to receive the glory and this family will be saved. Spencer walked into the hospital. They took him into the ICU unit where he was and when he walked into the room, he said, for a moment, my heart sank. He was hooked up to so many uh, different types of, uh, of uh, monitors, and they had him on a very strong medication, and the medication that they had him on was holding uh, this man. What's his name? Juan? Uh, Jose. Okay, Jose is holding Jose in a, in, uh, a drug-induced coma, and... Uh, Spencer could not speak with him, of course. He said, I, I remembered. Perhaps he could hear me. And Spencer spoke faith over him and to the family that was there. And he said, we're going to pray over him, and God is going to perform a miracle. God is going to heal him. And he said, now, here's what I want you to do. Now, these people, they, they are of a faith, but they, they don't pray out loud. As a matter of fact, they don't pray for themselves. They go to their priest, and the priest has to do the praying. And Spencer said, I, I want to introduce you to a God that can hear your prayer. And I want to tell you about a God that can hear you when you cry. When you begin to speak out, God can hear you. And we're going to pray, and we're going to pray out loud. And all of you, you're going to pray, and we're going to command sickness to leave his body. And Spencer reached over and took this man by the hand. The nurse was there, laid hands on him with them, and uh, they began to pray. And when they began to pray, Spencer came home. He said, Dad, I don't know what happened. He said, I laid hands, grabbed him by the hand, and began to pray over him. And he said, while we were praying, he said, every monitor in that room went off. He said they started beeping and buzzing and carrying on, and he said making all kinds of noise. Another nurse comes running into the room, and they said, give him some more medicine. He's trying to wake up. Yeah. 
Thank you to about 20 of you that believe that what I'm telling you is true. They gave some more medicine to put him in a deeper, in a, in a deeper coma to, to keep him from waking up. They were concerned with the disturbance. Spencer kindly left, and he went on, uh, went on, ministered to the family, talked to the family. He said, he said to his friend, if you need me, this is my phone number. You call me. I will come back here, and I will pray. Yesterday afternoon, they called Spencer and said, Spencer, uh, the doctors are taking him in for open heart surgery. Spencer said, have they let him come out of his coma yet? And uh, they said, no, they have not. They've kept him under uh, the medicine. They're going to go in and do an open heart surgery. They're going to go in and try to remove these blockages. And uh, they've got to get them removed so that the blood can flow more freely. They had him hooked up. They were bypassing all sorts of of the arteries that he had. And they said that we've got to get the blood uh, flowing through his heart again. And so they've got to go in and do open heart surgery. Spencer said, I wish that they would allow him to wake up. He God has touched him, and he try, God was trying to speak yesterday, and the medical science would not allow him to wake up to confirm what God was doing. Now, this is 17-year-old faith talking because he hasn't lived long enough to know to doubt. And so he yesterday said, Dad, I got to go to the hospital. I need the keys to the car and a credit card for some gas. I got to go. I got to get there now. They're taking him into the hospital. I got to rush. He took off there. He started there. He said, I should have brought oil with me. He pulled off, went into a gas station. He said, you have any kind of oil? And they said, "Uh, oil, uh, we got some motor oil. And he said, you have any kind of uh, cooking oil, vegetable oil, olive oil? They said, we've got some cooking oil. He said, I'll take it. He said, you got any kind of, uh, you got any kind of cloth? Said, well, we've got these $5 bandanas over here. He said, give me a bandana. He got a $5 bandana. He got a bottle of cooking oil. He poured some oil on that thing. He started driving to the hospital praying all the way there in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. When he got there, had they already taken him in when he got there? When he got there, they had already taken him in for surgery. So he got there, and he uh, said, guys, God is going to perform a miracle. God is already working. This situation is going to be fine. The family were in tears. People were fearful. They were worried. He said, God is going to perform a miracle. He said, you got to believe. He took that that, uh, bandana, and he gave it to his friend. He said, I want you to hold on to this. Nothing miracle working about it. But he said, every time that you you think about this situation, you just be reminded God's healing him. God's healing him, God's healing him, God's healing him. And his, his, friend, uh, uh, his friend Angel said, uh, Spencer, would you, would you mind, the, the other brother said, Spencer, would you mind if we give this uh, bandana to uh, our mother? She really needs it. She's really lacking faith. Spencer said, absolutely. Come on, let's go give it to her now. They went into the waiting room where she was, walked in. She didn't speak English. Spencer was speaking to the sons. The sons was relating to the mother. Spencer began to witness about the miracle working power of the Lord. He began to talk about, uh, he began to talk about uh, a, a member of our church who had lupus and that God had healed them from lupus. He began to talk about uh, Brother Brent Brosom who uh, had cancer and it was a blood, dis- it was, it was a blood cancer and uh, uh, non-Hodgkin's and Hodgkin's lymphoma and they gave him a less than a 5% chance of survival 
and today he's pastoring a church healthy and God has made a way for him. He began to talk about the woman with the issue of blood and he looked at them and said, God is always specialized in blood. He said, I want you to hold on to this and I want you to pray and I want you to believe God. He came out of surgery. And of course, as you would expect it, the nurses came out and said, we, none of, Spencer said there were tons of people there. The nurse came out and said, only the immediate families allowed. You need to come in and come with us to another room. Spencer said, our hearts sank as the, the family went to another room, went to another area. When they got to the other area, they were supposed to be there for about five to ten minutes for consultation. And uh, after uh, several, several minutes, about 30 minutes had passed, uh, one of the brothers came out. Spencer went to where he is, and he said, what's going on? And he said, I don't know. The doctor hasn't even shown up yet. And Spencer thought, oh, my, they're trying to prepare. They're, they're trying to prepare how they're going to break this to the family. Spencer said, well, let's not let faith uh, fall. We're going to keep believing that God's working a miracle. About 45 minutes later, the doctor finally came in and met with the family. When he met with the family, he said, we went in and we opened him up to remove the blockages. Just in case, just in case that somebody online may have contacted the author of that article that I wrote, (laughs) that that he wrote, uh, we're not exaggerating this story. We're not fabricating this story. The family came out and they were weeping when they came out. Spencer ran to where the brothers were. He said, what is going on? They said, the doctor came in, said he opened him up. And when they opened him up to remove the blockages, they just sewed him right back up because there were no blockages and no blood clots. Give me your phone. Give me your phone. Pull up the text message. I wish I could blow this up so you could see it. But Angel sent Spencer a text message about 1037 right after church started today and said, God is listening to us. God, here's a young man that doesn't even know how to pray, that thinks he's got to go to somebody else to get his miracle. He said, God is listening to us. God is, I'm talking about revelation. Another believer is being born. An entire family. They told Spencer as soon as he gets out of the hospital, the whole family is coming to church so we can find out about a God that we can talk to. This is just the beginning of miracles. This is just the beginning of miracles. Come on, somebody in the house. You need a miracle today. This is just the beginning. I know I preached a long time today, but if you need a miracle, you ought to take time to receive your miracle. You need to start letting some praise out. You need to start letting some praise. Come on, feel that that water pot. Feel that water pot. God is wanting to increase your faith. God wants to give you a miracle in the house today. 
Come on, magnify him. Magnify him. Magnify him. We're still two weeks away from the we're still two weeks away from the from, from the awakening. But this is the beginning of miracles. The beginning of miracles. The beginning of miracles. Your situation isn't too far gone. God still got it. Your situation isn't too far past. God still got it. <laughs> Come on, fill the water pots. Fill the water pots. These are not drunk as ye suppose. This is the baptism of the Holy Ghost being poured out. This is miracles. This is the book of Acts. This is the continuation of the early church. This is what God has in store for this region of north central Indiana. Revival. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, keep filling those water pots. You need a miracle in the house. You can receive it right where you are. You can receive it right where you are. Yes. Come on, take authority over it. Take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Speak it into existence today in the name of Jesus. Not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, if you need a miracle, lift both hands straight in the air and hold them high in the air. If you need a miracle, lift both hands. Some of our ministers, some of our ministers are taking oil on their hands right now, coming to pray with you right now. In the name of Jesus, some of our elders are going to help us. Some of our elders are helping us today. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, keep both hands lifted high. You need a miracle today. God is going to give it to you. God is going to perform it. 
by the authority of the word of God I declare a healing I declare deliverance and salvation whatever the need is right now by the power of the almighty God of heaven I declare it in the name of Jesus let it come to pass in the name of the Lord in the name of Jesus yes 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 Come on, that's it. Fill it to the brim. 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 More water means a greater miracle. More water means a greater miracle. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. The greatest miracle God has ever given is when he poured out the Holy Ghost. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence, the speaking with other tongues, I dare you to throw your hands in the air right now and receive it by the authority of the Word of God and the power in the name of Jesus. I speak the Holy Ghost to fall in this room right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I come against fear. I come against fear. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's miracle working power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Anderson, not, Brother Anderson has not been able to speak. He just looked at my wife and just spoke in the name of Jesus. I am healed clearly and plainly. 
after years, after years of waiting. God is bigger than the effects of a stroke. Yes. Your situation's not too big for God. It's not too big for God. Oh. Yes. <laughs> 